Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to Motor City Hoops. On today's episode, we'll analyze our first round rookies, top draft pick, Evan Mobley, and talk about the playing games and other top rookies from around the league. From now on, we'll not do any more game recaps. You can find us on social media and uh, Bryce is taking care of Twitter. He does videos for you. He will do live tweeting. And we thought that from now on, going forward, it's better for us to keep our 313 segment where it's going to be all about the Pistons and around the NBA. Also, our episode is going to be a little bit shorter from now on. But Bryce, I'm excited about this new format and I know we've, we've talked about it before uh, yep. that we want to do more 313, more around the NBA. So uh, from now on, this is what our listeners are going to have to get used to. And uh, Bryce, let's hop right into 313 because um, even if we went to the game recaps, it would be all about exactly what <laughs> yeah. we want to talk about there, right? All yeah. about the rookies. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's kind of what the change was, right, Vlad, is we, we felt like for the most part we were holding ourselves back during the game recaps because it was just stuff we were going to talk about in the 313 anyway. So now we just r- jump right into the segments we want to do, the segments our listeners want to hear, and we can just get right into it. So I know today we, we kind of had talked about the first-round rookies. I feel like they this is perfect because they stole the show Sunday night um, against the Chicago Bulls. And man, Vlad, they, they filled up the stat sheet. Absolutely, and they've been uh, they've been very exciting to watch alongside with some of the other guys that we talked about, like Frank Jackson, JJ, and uh, the the young crew that we have. But certainly, our first round picks were, I mean, amazing. Especially lately, I think uh, Hayes is starting to to get more comfortable. Isaiah Stewart is showing some uh, some <laughs> incredible growth, Bryce. And uh, yep. now let's head in the three on three segment and talk about Isaiah Stewart, which. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people thought he was drafted a little bit higher than he was supposed to. I know it was a, a late first round for him. And then uh, Troy Weaver uh, 
you know, he decided to pull the trigger and uh, drafted him a little bit earlier. And uh, Bryce, what's your thought on him? I know how high you are on him, so yes. I can't wait to hear to hear what you think. Yeah, so Isaiah Stewart, you know, we traded away a protected first, a very heavily protected first to Huguenin. Uh, Huguenin, sorry, that's a school out here in our league. To Houston, <laughs> um, that's actually the team that ended our, se- our high school season this year. So obviously that's still fresh on my mind. We traded a pr- protected first, heavily protected first to Houston for number 16 pick and Trevor Ariza which we took on Isaiah Stewart. And you said his offensive game is blossoming right now. If you haven't had a chance, go to Twitter, check out Motor City Hoops. I did a breakdown, not only what it does for Isaiah Stewart, for his expanded offensive game, but how it opens up the floor for everybody on the Pistons. So go check that out. See those daily. You know, but here's the thing, Vlad. Here's something I didn't know. I was actually researching some other stuff one day. He was the number three recruit coming out of high school. I think we touched yep. on this a couple episodes ago. So there was a ceiling and some skill level there that people saw coming out of high school that was more than just the quote-unquote tough guy, garbage player that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. Well, Bryce, uh, when I first looked at him, and uh, it was about October, I'll be honest, uh, right before I started recording the show, I think – uh, you joined me after episode two or three, uh, right? So yeah, my first episode, yeah. I was doing it uh, by myself. And, oh, man, that was hard, by the way, <laughs> to do an episode <laughs> by yourself. I remember, um, I remember you texting me and telling me how hard it was. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just uh, I remember what JJ used to say. You know, JJ's our uh, head coach. He was our head coach at American, Jeff Jones, you know. Uh, you gotta get comfortable being uncomfortable, and that was <laughs> yes, sir. That, that was the whole episode right there for me. The whole uh, <laughs> and I was I was really you know looking at all three rookies, and uh, he stood out. He stood out for quite a few things that I know to hear too, right? So he came in with a defense and rebounding package and a high motor package. I think that would, th- those are not there's no doubt about that, right? Uh, then when I as a shooter. I was looking at his form because to me that's huge, right? We we talked to Rashad Phillips in our uh, last episode too about this, and to me for for a shooter the form is, is is crucial. I think the Steph Curry's of the world are rare, and I think um, to me Clay Thompson is really the mark for as far as like what a shooter should look like. I know I'm a little sure. biased, but it's, it's like a picture perfect, perfect yeah. release. Exactly. You know, like Ray exactly. Allen had almost yep. a picture for Kyle Korver. You know, those are the guys that I'm thinking about, right? <laughs> So um, when I was looking at Stewart, I was like, you know, he has a very nice looking shot. I was like, that can be developed because he seemed like he had a touch, right? So he shot in the in the in the seventies or high sixties, I think, free throws. And watching him develop it was something. Now, watching him use it in the game comfortable in the same year, unexpected. It was nowhere close. I was taught like year two, year three, right? Then. I watched last game and I see him just a two dribble, you know, shot fake two dribble. And I'm like, wait a minute. That was year three or four too, you know, like so <laughs> my ceiling for him just just based off a few plays. Why? Because uh Bryce, I, I'm in my tenth year as a pro and I've seen I've had a lot of young guys develop, right? So in Europe you get this eighteen, nineteen year olds that are on your team. And uh to see someone develop that fast in a game setting, I've seen guys that took a year, a year and a half to just develop like that in a practice setting. Like, just take it from a drill to – we have to remember, he's very young, right? So, 
That's why I didn't expect this. I thought, like, when he's going to be 22, 23, yes. But right now, to me, the ceiling is much, much higher. You know, my comparison, that used to be Kenneth Fareed or I mean, like Dennis Rodman. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's who he's talking I, about. Yep. That's out the window. Like, you can throw that out of the window. Yep. Garbage. I, I was garbage yep. with that. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm not sure. Like, I'm trying to think about, like, who can I compare him to? And it's so unique because I've said it so many times, right? High motor. Can he start? Can he play enough minutes? Can he do that? And it's just like high motor, I feel like it's not really it, – it's not like you don't think about shooting. You don't think about say, offense. You, that's what's hard with him, right, Vlad, is usually you don't comp- – those two things don't go together. Usually a high motor guy is just defender, shot blocker, rebounder, but there's not an offensive skill set that goes with it. Now, I, I – passing is a hard skill to develop in my opinion there's a lot of feel that you develop at a young age seeing the floor being able to make those passes I'm not sure he's going to be a high level passer like say Mason Plumley, you know so that might not be something that comes along so that could limit him offensively at times but if he can shoot drive it he does have nice touch okay you're right it's hard to find the right comp for him because usually those things don't work together like that. Usually they're not, you know, their players don't have both of those. And his shot blocking and defense is very – I don't think we talk about it Bryce, enough because we so – I And they just came – oh, my God. It just popped out of my head. Kevin Garnett. Okay. It just popped out of my head, right? I, I was trying like – I was trying to think about power forwards, right? Because, like, okay, we talked about a positional uh, dictionary workshop in the last sure. episode. Yeah. but. Really, I was like, okay, can I find a 4-5, like a traditional 4-5 that has, like, huge energy, high motor, he defended, he rebounded, he scored. And I'm like, I think KG, like, Amari Stoudemire, I don't know. Like, he's clearly, he's not as athletic as KG or Amari when they were younger. Yeah. Not, and not uh, but, as long as, as KG, not as bouncy maybe as Amari yeah, was. Yeah, but I'm just like trying to find a comparison, yeah. okay? I'm not trying to say he's going to be KG, okay? KG is, is one of a kind for sure, sure uh, and way ahead of his time. But well, I'm just trying to think, you know, like Chris Webber maybe? Okay. Uh, he, he, I don't yeah. think he had a high motor like yeah. Isaiah Stewart has it. But I, I'm just trying to find the right fit for him and, and – in that box that we talked about, right? Is he what kind of position is he? And that's you know, so I think it's exciting that we can't find one when you because to me that means he's a little bit of a different thing, something that we haven't seen before. Hopefully, you know what I mean. And so I, I want to touch on a point before we move to Sadiq Bay. I want to touch on something you brought up because I played in college, Division One. You played obviously the same school, and now for multiple years overseas. Like I never felt like I improved individually throughout a year maybe with my confidence or something like that but not my actual skill level and I think it's just so impressive that he's improved his skill level throughout his rookie season during COVID when there's less time between games probably less practices probably less access to the gym and he's improved his offensive game I just think that's very exciting we haven't really seen him hit the quote-unquote rookie wall. So I can't imagine what he's going to do in an offseason. And Bryce, you know what I'm wondering? I'm wondering if he just got in the gym the way he is right now, the way his mentality seems to be. Maybe he got in the gym early after he got – even before the draft last year, sure. and he started working on some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it just took a while to, to, to put him in the game or Casey being comfortable to get in the green light to some of this stuff, right? So we can't really – you know, we can't really figure it out, but – I can tell you this, um, Troy Weaver, he can really see potential. Like, 
he has an eye. He has a knack for it, right? And we talked about him, well, not just about this one, but I think especially with his draft class where it was all him. As in Oklahoma, you know, I feel like a lot of the credit went to Presti. Yeah. Um, now, I feel like we need to give him credit because we're going to talk about all the rookies around the NBA. And I would say – in my opinion, two of them play like top five rookies, and the other one is a top ten, but he was injured. Yeah, and agreed. I, I mean, my my head just you know, chapeau to him. It's unbelievable what he's done and what you saw in these kids. Yes, yeah. I mean, he did a great job, and so that's what you know. Moving to Sadiq Bay, okay. So this this one took a lot of heat too, right, Vlad? Because we traded it was because of Luke. He Luke, took, he, yeah, yeah. We, we we traded Luke for second round picks, which. I know sometimes we get excited about second round pick, but second round picks get traded all the time. Like I was looking today, like 23 of the 30 second round picks in the 2021 draft have been traded at least once and some of them probably multiple times. So the picks are kind of, and they said, I read an article leading up to this. It said we had to add the second round picks because of Kennard's injury history, some uncertainty with his knee. But yeah, it was the fact that we moved Kennard. But like you said, Troy Weaver saw that he could go get possibly get someone like Sadiq Bay, and that would be a younger, cheaper, and maybe eventually better version of Luke Kennard, you know, because Sadiq Bay can shoot it and might end up being the best three point shooter in this draft class. And I'm going to be that guy I'll say I was never a fan of Luke Kennard. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, but I never got on the bandwagon. It left way before me, I guess. Uh, it, it's just it's, it's something that I didn't see. I was happy with that threat. I, I wasn't sure, though. I really wasn't sure because Sadiq Bay had some questions about his release, for example. Um, as I was watching Stewart release, I was like, okay, he can be a shooter. And I'm like, wait, can Sadiq Bay shoot a three like that in the NBA? You know, yeah, like, sure. Uh, because the first thought I had when I saw him was Lonzo Ball. And uh, it, it's just like that, that that weird release, you know, like a low point where I said I, I said earlier in this show too, right? Steph Curry is very unique. And I, I know a lot of kids maybe are replicating that and they're trying to get it. But it's a, it's a one motion crazy release Steph has. And um, I do understand that it triggered uh, kids to shoot threes earlier. They're not strong enough. They shoot, you know, from the, the belly chest area. And that kind of just keeps on going until they become pros or college players. But that was my biggest question. Then the second thing I had about Bay was, okay, he's a Nova guy. And I'm a Nova fan. We talked about this, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, he was he was ready for it. But what, what's your take as far as his future? Because I think we, we see this very different. I think you see yeah. Sadiq very different than what I see him I, I as, do. A, yeah. as his potential. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, earlier I messed up, brought up Huguenin, which ended my season this year, and Villanova, the reason I'm not a little, little close to the heart there is because Villanova ended my college career. I haven't played a – that was the last bas- competitive basketball game I ever played. But Rashad Phillips said it on the last episode, episode, right, that when you can draft a guy out of Villanova and then he said Florida State, you draft those guys because they're going to be successful in the, in the NBA. And – uh just a, a little precursor. That's why I want to draft Jeremiah Robinson Earl in the upcoming draft as well. Another Villanova guy. But Sadiq Bay, I do, I, I do, Vlad, I do think he's closer to his ceiling definitely than the other two rookies. And just in general, like to me, he came in and he looked NBA ready and he shot it at a high clip all year. Um, his body looks NBA ready. I'm not saying he can't add on some more muscle. 
Um, he can't get a little more athletic, all that stuff. But I think he's close. I think he's just closer to the player we're going to see him at his peak already than what some of the other rookies are. Now, I'm not saying his peak isn't what maybe you think it is and some other people think it is. Um, I've, you know, there's been the Chris Middleton, there's been Danny Granger, um, what Rashad say, Antoine Walker. I'm not saying I can't see that, but I, I just do think because he was NBA ready, we're seeing closer to his ceiling right now than maybe definitely than Hayes or Stewart. Okay. That I can understand, but also I feel like Stewart, we talked about like comparison and we thought we're going to get into Hayes too. And I think his ceiling is very high too. So I think we don't want to compare those three, honestly. I think sure. Sadiq Bay has his own kind of comparison. That's why I thought Chris Middleton is a perfect comparison. Uh, the development Chris had from going to G League, coming back, bouncing back in the NBA and playing the way he plays right now, um, which is, in my opinion, Chris Middleton is a borderline all-star. Right. Yeah. And um, he's one of the guys that, you know, can have a good ear, can be in. More likely than not, he will not be in. But he's there in that conversation. I feel like Sadiq can do that. So, but, so that's the thing. My so, numbers. Go ahead. What are you going to add to Sadiq's game? Like, I guess that's where I'm interested. Like, I look at Stewart and I can see what he can add. We'll get to Hayes in a second and I can tell you what I think he needs to add. I guess with Sadiq, I, I don't know what I see that he's going to be able to add to his game to like take catapult him to another level well, i was looking at in my opinion top 10 rookies right and we'll, we'll go to Lamelo ball taris halbert and anthony edwards we'll talk about jay sean tate too so then i was looking at isaiah store sadiq bay and honestly out of my top 10 9 10 rookies he's shooting one of the worst percentages from the field goal, for a field goal range and that's 40 he has 9.6 attempts, right? And he makes 3.9. In my opinion, that can go up. And he's sure. averaging okay. 11.9 points per game. So okay. can he average 13 next year along with not 4.6 rebounds, maybe 5.4. And his 5. minutes 5. will 5. go up. So his shots yeah, could go up. He's playing 26, 26 minutes a game right he now. He could be a 30-some minute a game guy. And Yeah, exactly. And uh, one thing I think he can improve on is him playing the passing lane. He has the height and... The wingspan do that. He only averages 0.7 steals, which is not bad, not good. I think for his height, he can do more, especially with the type of defense that we play. Uh, but overall, that's my thing. Like, if he can improve his field goal percentage, and um, I think a lot of it is because of the first part of the season when he literally missed, like, every layup that I could possibly watch. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it, that was his adjustment. And now, as again, as a shooter – it's very different because the big adjustment for him was, you know, going around the paint and, you know, your 6'9", 6'10", college guy right now is seven foot and very athletic. So it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different level. So I think it does make sense. But if he improves his field goal percentage, especially his, um, you know, his, his finishing up in the paint, then I think he's, you know, one, two dribble pull-ups Whoever is going to let him shoot those, but yes, <laughs> if 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 Casey lets him shoot those, I think those will improve too, and he will become a three level scorer because that's what it is. But um, that's that's down the road. I think he's pretty polished and NBA ready. That I'm not sure his jumps are going to be so big oh, as so, Stewart so or Hayes. I guess that's where my thing comes from is 
I think we could see a big jump from Stewart from this year to next year. I think we're going to see a huge jump from Hayes from this year to next year. I'm just saying, like, I don't think Bay's all of a sudden going to go from a 12-point-a-game guy to a 20-point-a-game guy. Or because he made, you know, he's going to end up making probably 183s this year. I don't think he's all of a sudden going to make 300 next year. So I guess that's all I'm saying is, like, I'm tempering my expectations just a little bit not seeing him just make a huge jump. Like maybe next year it's just 15 points a game and six rebounds because he shoots a little better percentage and plays a few more minutes. I think with him, if I have to make an analogy, like slow and steady wins the race. Agreed. Agreed. I feel like that's his improvement is going to be like – A thousand percent. Uh, like he's literally going to reach his peak as like 27, 28, 29. Like he's, he's slowly going to improve, but it's going to be very hard for him to – you know, from this year, averaging 12 a game to 20 next year. And I'd much rather, like, or not my, I, I would much rather, but I think I'd rather watch a bet on Hayes doing that or Stewart doing that because uh, they have seemed to make those big jumps. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. All right, Bryson. Now, uh, as I mentioned, Hayes, Killian Hayes, the number seven draft pick, one of my favorite guys in this draft, uh, maybe because of his European background. I don't know. But uh, for me, why I'm a huge fan of his is to me that he's he's a floor general and he controls the games. Uh, he's slowly starting to do that lately, and um, I'm I'm very pleased with his development, especially in the late part of the season when he came back from his injury. Yeah, I agree. Like he has shown a lot. I, I mean, obviously the Bulls game is the game everybody wants to talk about, right? Like, and he played really, really well. And and what I loved is I feel like he showed some of that swagger. Um, that's the term I like to use. I don't know if people like use that term anymore, but you could just see the confidence in some of the dribbles he, he used, some of the passes he made. Like you could just see it in his body language. Don't pay too much attention to the turnovers. Again, not to like self promote us this, you know, that much, but we broke that down as well and how some of those turnovers weren't on him and how there's just some subtle little, you know, things he needs to adjust. But, what the game I liked was the first half of the Magic game. If you go back and watch that game, in my notes I put down, he was in complete control of the offense, Vlad. So it wasn't all this flashy stuff. I know he scored a bunch in the Bulls game, so people liked it. But I just thought he was in control of the offense in the Magic game. And he looked really, really good. But, of course, it was nice to see him score the ball the way he did in the Chicago game. Absolutely. I think the expectations that he came in with – and maybe with the way basketball is played right now, I feel like when you draft a point guard, you kind of expect him to score nowadays. And um, if you remember me saying it, I was like, he's a pass first. My comparison yep. was like Rubio for him, yep. or like Ricky Rubio. I think his ceiling is higher than that. And I was going to say, the, I was throwing around, go we got to be careful with that because I listened to who the Locked on Pistons podcast today, and Pistons Twitter does not like the Rubio comparison. They think that's underselling him a lot, which – I don't know if people just don't remember, you know, think Rubio is very good or what. Uh, in my opinion, Rubio was very good. I, I don't I, think he's what people expected him to be. But um, some other guys. So, really, my thing was he can control games. Exactly what you said in the Orlando game, right? And he can control games through many, many aspects as far as him playing pick and roll, you know, Passing the role, creating for the shooters, disrupting with his defense. Um, you know, he can score at times in bunches. His three-point shot will develop. 
much faster than Rubio's, in my opinion. So he's my comparison was like that style of play, but better. So I'm not saying he's going to be Ricky Rubio. It's going to be, you know, the next up level up. But my thing for him is if we want to be successful, him as a point guard, he needs to really, really control all games. And once we do get this next draft pick, that's most likely going to be someone that's really good, right? It's going to be a, a top pick, a scorer maybe, um, or just even complete player that we're going to talk about. We're going to get to Evan Mobley soon. Or, you know, we talked about Kate Cunningham last episode. He really needs to play like a Jason Kidd. That's all I was thinking. Like Rondo, Jason Kidd, Parker. Chris Paul, right? So, I mean, like yeah, Chris no, Paul, nobody's yeah. going to say their, their body types aren't the same. I don't even know that their play style is exactly the same. But, like, that's kind of what you want out of Killian Hayes, right? I don't know that Hayes – this got brought up too. I don't know that Hayes, Hayes ever has the – will have the personality. You know, I, I bring up the term alpha. I don't think Hayes is an alpha. But, like, one of those guys that just averages what, Vlad? 15, 12 to 15, 6 to 8, 5 or 6 boards. But on a given night can go get you 28, you know, if they decide yeah. they don't want to guard him. Yeah, I think – you're right with the Chris Paul. The only thing with Chris Paul, I think Chris Paul is a better scorer than he will ever be. Sure. Um, he's more talented on that side. but and, and a really good leader. Exactly. But Hayes does have this potential. It's going to be very interesting because once he develops that jump shot, and um, I, want to, I want to see that being developed you know, by year three, I would say. Uh, because as we saw with Rondo, with Simmons – the more you stay in that, the, the harder it becomes uh, because, I don't know, does it, do, do you think like it gets in their head? It yes, becomes I, a stigma on it? I, I think it's a thousand percent mental. This got brought up in our group chat. You know, people were kind of dogging on Simmons, like almost like saying he doesn't put in the work to become a better shooter. I don't think that's what it is. And I, I have no firsthand knowledge. I think it just gets in your head. I think it becomes a mental thing. I think you start overthinking it. You start to become what people say you are, which is you can't shoot, you know, whatever. And so you're right. I think it's it. he needs to develop that shot. And he showed it in the Bulls game. He shot it really well. He's had a couple hardened step backs that look really good. I think the shot's going to be there. But I think you make a good point. If five years into your career, you're known as a non-shooter, it's really, really hard to break that stigma. And it's hard, and it's hard for fans too to like just look at it. And r- right now, I just want to take a quick look at Ricky Rubio, and uh, because I do feel like he's shooting the ball better than people think he is. And yeah, I mean overall, he's like a thirty-three percent shooter, which is not terrible. But I feel like, uh, you know, people think like he can't score. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm looking at over overall his career, Bryce. Did you know? And uh, interesting facts, we talk about Ricky Rubio. He averaged 11 points per game, 7.7 assists, almost two steals, over four rebounds. That's pretty solid, like, for a point guard in the NBA over, like, a 10-year span. Yeah, like, if if, if he was Ricky Rubio plus a little bit, I think you would then take I feel like that. like it's great. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll like, take that. I know maybe, you know, people want more from the seven, number seven pick. People want a franchise player. People, you know, I, I understand that. I get it. But if that's what he ends up being and he's healthy and I, I, I'm going to, I take that. I've said, uh, maybe this will be a good transition. 
our franchise players in the 2021 draft. That's where we need to get our franchise player. And if we don't get a high enough pick to get him, then we're going to have to go get it in free agency or through a trade. Well, let's talk about a franchise player. <laughs> My favorite guy in this draft, Evan Mobley. It is. This is your guy, right? Like, oh my god, you would yes, take him number one. Am I wrong? You would take him number one, or you would think about it real hard, right? I'll be very honest. I was a GM. I would not even call Kate Cunningham for a workout. I'm sorry. You're all in on Mobley. <laughs> That's it. It's, he, um, you go ahead. You go ahead. Yeah, go, Bryce. It's it's like he. He's not a bust and cannot be a bust. And I'll give you a simple reason why. Because most bigs, and I'm looking at the comparison that I made. One of the, in 2016, the first big off the board was Dragon Bender bust. Very similar, this point dual forward, point center type, you know, uh, player. You're looking at Div- Davison and Bede. You could like, bam, at the bio, he was drafted 14th. Uh, Bagley, I feel like he was in this mold, but is not panning out. And in my opinion, one of the reasons Bagley is not panning out is because he cannot guard. Wiseman, I feel like is a little bit too early. Offensively, he has all the baggage. I'm not sure defensively he can switch. And this is why I'm saying Mobley is and cannot be. It, he cannot be a bust. He's a true superstar on the offensive end, right? I think... He will develop, and he's in the Anthony Davis mold, Bam Adebayo, and Embiid mold. He's he's one of those guys that does a lot of things offensively. Defensively, he can switch, though. That's the huge difference to me. And if you put him as – if you portray him as – not as a Nikola Jokic-type passer, but in that mold, like Anthony Davis mold, that's tough, Bryce. To, to me, I, you just don't pass on bigs like that yeah and that, that, that's the only thing for me no and i think i think i've told you this before maybe just when we were texting or something like that if that's really who he is then i'm all in on it because you're right a big like that i, I guess when i watched him i didn't see the skill set that a lot of these draft guys and we talked to richard stamen at mavs draft cj marchesani who is a guy i follow on uh on twitter bryce Hendricks, all these guys Go follow them if you don't. That that think that see him as more than what I guess I saw him as. You know, I kind of saw him as a sinner. You know, and I think a lot of people see him more as like a dual forward. You know, using Rashad's um, position dictionary, he's not a sinner. He has a skill set that can make him more dangerous than that. I don't think he's a point center like Jokic, but a dual forward that kind of does a little bit of everything. And, and I think Rashad says that's the most dangerous position. If you can get one of those guys, then you have to go get them. And so if you can convince me or if I could be convinced myself, I guess, that that's what he's going to be, then I'm all in on it too. I think it fits the roster. I've had debates with people on Twitter about him and Isaiah Stewart playing together. I think they can absolutely play together, Vlad, because of what you said. On, to me, being able to play together defensively, they can play together because they can both switch on the perimeter and he'll help Isaiah Stewart protect the rim that much more. So uh, here's my question. Here's my biggest question. And you, we can say this about Cade Cunningham a little bit as well. Is he the number one scoring option? Does he have that potential to be the number one scoring option in, you know, five years whenever we want to be competing for a championship or, you know, deep playoff runs? Does he have that kind of offensive skill set? 
Potential, yes. Is okay. it there? No. Yeah, I think yeah. As far as scoring, Green is by far your best option this draft. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. That's I mean that's hands down. Uh, and he's coming next I'm week. Not, that breakdown's coming next week. Exactly. So I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh my god, he's all that because I think he's not there yet. Um, he can really score the ball though, and I think he can pass too. But to me, it's more about the impact that he has on a game. And we talked about Kay Cunningham, right? How he can pick you apart and pick a roll because he can find all three level of passes. And as I was looking at Mobley, I was like, you know what? He can impact the game in so many ways, right? He can score, he can pass, he can rebound, he can create, he can alter shots. So that's that's just truly unique uh, because some of my fa- even my favorite players to watch right now in the NBA are this type of guys. Right, it's Anthony Davis. It's fun to watch. Bam Adebayo, Embiid, uh, Jokic. I mean, these bigs that do it all type thing. Like they're probably the most fun to watch, right? I mean, even LeBron is not exactly you know he's, he's six nine. So uh, to me, they're just a lot of fun to watch because they can really do it all. And like you said, I do agree with you. Getting a big that has that skill set is really special and it's hard to pass up on. So in terms of that, I understand your point with taking him over anybody. Yeah, absolutely. But let's let's get the playing games, Bryce. And uh, we have two topics around the NBA, uh, the playing tournament and uh, all rookie team. Bryce, let us uh, let me hear your thoughts on the playing tournament. We kind of touched on it last week with Rashad, but uh, we didn't get to do a deep dive. Uh, yeah, so I, I feel like we were kind of running out of time with Rashad, and, and he brought up a good point. Like, you know, he kind of said, like, it, it's not going to matter, you know, because of and, – and I think what I wanted – I don't know that I, we phrased the question or I phrased the question the right way. Kind of what I wanted – you know, is it bad for players in terms of injuries? Um because players aren't able to rest. It's been a shortened season anyway, or, you know, a condensed schedule. Um, but do you, I feel like it's good for teams to keep teams engaged. Like, I think it's good for fans. I think it's good for the league. You know, we talk about this all the time, that we feel like if we get the right draft pick, we can be in the play-in game next year. You know, we don't talk about being in the playoffs. We talk about getting into the play-in game. If the play-in game wasn't there, I don't know that we would be so sure saying we were going to make it to that. Um, and then one thing before we go into maybe the current matchups and kind of what would interest us there, I do want to explain this process just a little bit so people, everybody understands. So seven plays eight and the winner that became, becomes the seven seed. And then the loser will play the winner of the nine, 10 game for the eight seed. So if you're a nine or 10 seed, you have to win two games just to become the eight seed. So that's kind of how it works. I saw this on Twitter the other day, asked kind of how that process worked. But I'm excited just as a fan of the NBA because I think these games are going to be really exciting. And there's some pretty intriguing matchups for them right now. Yeah, absolutely. And Bryce, um, I wasn't sure what to say last week because I know Rashad things like they don't matter, but to me they do matter. And um, I'll tell you why. Because right now you have six teams that are completely out. And you had him for the past weeks. Yeah. But until I would say last two, three weeks of the season, right? And which is unheard for the NBA. Other than those six teams, everybody was competing for a spot price. You're looking at the Raptors, right? And the Wizards, the, the five wins ahead. Yeah. Yep. And the Raptors have 27 wins. They're, they were in the hunt for it. And 
that's your worst team in the in, in the East that was in the hunt for. And you got the Kings that are three games behind the Spurs. So that made the NBA more competitive. It kind of took the European uh, European meaning of like the relegation where the bottom teams go down to a lower league and the top teams from the lower league go up. That's why I like it because now you literally had all but six teams fight for the playoffs. Is it great for a seven seed to fight for their life or an eight seed to fight for life in the playoffs after working so hard in regular season? Maybe not, but also this could be the only way to make it more entertaining because maybe next year you only have like four teams that are like quote unquote tanking. Right, maybe all the others are gonna fight for the playoffs or try to get in that ten spot because it it's it helps you. It's you cannot build a culture on losing and losing and losing. I mean, just look at 76ers to me, and I, I, I'm gonna say it out loud. I hope they don't win because they just lost on purpose for so many years, and it's. It's really annoying to me because that's not how you build a culture. You don't go to college basketball and change cultures like that. You don't go anywhere and change culture, cultures like that. Yeah. You no, win. And and you bring up the, – the thing is, the reason there's so many teams tanking this year, one, because of some of the lottery protections on those picks. If they don't end up in the top three or four, they lose them. But because of the talent at the top end of this draft. So there's even more kind of, I guess, quote unquote, competition to tank where you may have seen some of these teams go for it a little bit more. Like, say, Minnesota, you know, go for it. Because if they don't get in the top, I, I believe their pick is only top three protected with Golden State, you know. So they may have went and tried. To, I'm not saying they would have made it there, but they may have said like, "Hey, you know, we're gonna get whatever pick, no matter what. We're gonna get our pick, no matter what. And there's only one guy at the top that's really worth it. We're not, you know, two through seven are all kind of the same. So let's go ahead and see if we can't make a run at the play-in game. So I think it's gonna be different every year, depending on how talented the the draft is and you know lottery protections on picks and all that stuff but i think it's going to be fun like are you telling next week right i don't know what day it starts i assume like probably tuesday a week from today or so maybe wednesday that we could watch the lakers and the warriors in a one game playoff in the 7 and 8 game or the wizards and the pacers and i realize those aren't like two mark you know teams that are just but like what russ is doing what bills doing like and then there's another game where people are playing for their lives. Like, it's going to be so much fun to watch, Vlad. And it's fun, but to me, the most important part is really not tanking because six teams tanking or, I mean, that's good for the NBA, Bryce. I remember when it was like eight that were just like trying to lose, you know, half of the league just trying to lose basically, you know. So I think the, these chains are welcome. And just think about the magic, right? The magic had to blow it up. And they made some trades, right, to, to try to get in the bottom of this um, – at the top of the draft, sorry, at the bottom of the league. <laughs> uh, but the Bulls, right, and how many scenarios a team that's 9th or 10th or 11th – right now they're 11th, but I think at that point they were like 8th um, – tried and, you know, they draft so much and try to bring Vucevic in in order to make a playoff because they had a chance, right? 
And they would not have done it if they were 11th and only eight teams were and what, they were what, six games behind it. What right? about your What about your Wizards, right? Like, I mean, now they're – I think they're the nine and just a game and a half out. But at one point, they were way down the, the, the standings, Vlad. Like, they may have just thrown in the towel. But the fact that they I, could I just might. get to 10 – so they said, Brace, hey, we got a that, chance here. That Philly Wizards matchup, because it's going to get to it, it's it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a dogfight, Bryce. Uh, that Philly, Philly Wizards, because I think it's going to get to it. You know, I think I think the, uh, the Wizards are going to get the eighth, eighth spot. And uh, it's going to be interesting, too, though, that the Celtics-Hornets matchup, if it stays yep. like this, you know, I and, think it's going to be tough. And some tough news um, for Jalen Brown, right, that, that just yeah, came exactly. out yesterday. They lost him, so... I really can see, you know, the Hornets getting the seventh seed and uh, the Wizards getting the eighth seed, and Celtics is being bounced out. I, yeah. It's going to be tough. I and, see the, uh, the I see the Wizards getting into the eight, no matter what. I think they beat Boston or Charlotte in that. I think they beat Indiana, and then they beat Boston or Charlotte, whoever loses that game. And then I think in the Western Conference, you're going to end up with the Warriors and the Lakers. One of them will win, and then they'll whoever loses will still beat the winner of the Grizzlies and Spurs. But yeah. No, I agree with you there, actually. And since you mentioned Charlotte, let's go to all root team <laughs> or however you want, you want to call this. Um, what, what what are your top three rookies right now, Bryce? Yeah, so I mean, I think Anthony Edwards is rookie of the year. LaMelo Ball, you know, I think people stopped talking about him because of the injury, and then all of a sudden he's come back and played. I did a breakdown of Anthony Edwards, man, and he was impressive a lot. I didn't realize how high level of a scorer and shooter he was. I broke down a game where he shot it very well, so obviously that plays in part of plays into it. But I think those two are in a different tier than everybody else. And then I think you have some other guys that are in the next tier. Wiseman has really fallen off. Obviously, you have our guys, Bay and Stewart. I would put Bay in the next tier probably with like Halliburton. Um, and then you have guys like, like I say, Isaiah Stewart, Cole Anthony, Quickly, Tate, those kind of guys that have really good years too. You know, guys even like Desmond Bain and um, Peyton Pritchard, like a lot of really guys that have had really solid seasons. So uh, I don't know who my third guy is. If I ha- if you made me say a third guy, I think I would say Sadiq Bay. He, he's right there. And, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of LaMelo, but at this point – I'm leaning towards Edwards. Uh, he's been fabulous. He, he's definitely a scorer. Like, we, we just talked, right, uh, about Green. And he's just a scorer, you know. Like, that's what Anthony Dart. He, he does, and he comes in, and just Edwards just scores. I think LaBella brings more to the table overall. Agreed. And long-term, he's the point guard you want to have yes. in that team. And uh, we, do, we do tend to forget because he was injured, like you said. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting because Lamelo is going to have a chance for this this to yeah. showcase, you know, he's in the, the playoffs, playoffs yeah. compared to Andy Edwards where he has or Tyrese Halliburton. And Halliburton, yeah, he's I guess he's a touchy subject uh, in many <laughs> ways. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he's played great. You know, 13 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, 1.3 steals. He's great. You know, he's, he's in my top three. Uh, but I'll be honest, at four and five, maybe a little biased, I have Stewart and Bay um, in that order. Um, yes, Jay Sean Tate could, could make a case for it. Uh, but again, I feel like us compared to Houston, we kind of tried to compete. In Houston, at some point, they just didn't try to compete. Uh, so that's why I kind of give the nod to our guys. Uh, overall, though, I do think Anthony Edwards is going to get the, the rookie of the year. 
uh, kind of sad for me because, like I said, I am a LaMelo Ball fan. So. so, well, and so I think you just answered my question then. If you if you were, you know, obviously it depend on roster construction a little bit, but let, let's just say you had to pick one of these rookies to start a new franchise with. So you don't know what the rest of your roster looks like. You have to choose a rookie to start your team with. Who would it be? Oh, LaMelo Ball. LaMelo. And that's, I think he's going to end up being a better pro in general, I think he's going to end up having a bigger factor. I think Edwards is a big-time scorer. Now, he's been a volume shooter this year, taking a lot of shots. So, you know, I'm not taking away from his scoring numbers, but, you know, he's he's shooting it at 41%, 32%, 33% from three. So, no, those aren't awful numbers in his rookie season, but there has been a high volume to get those buckets. I just think LaMelo's all-around game and, and his presence on the court – is I think he's going to end up being the better player. And uh, Bryce, before we end this, though, I do have a question for you. Do you see Killian Hayes being able to play LaMelo Ball? Because I'm looking at his stats, right? 16.1 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 1.6 steals. To me, Killian can get those numbers. Yeah, no, like, I, I, to me, that, that, that would, yes. To answer your question in, in one word, yes. To expand on it a little bit, I think Lamelo can score it a little better than what on definitely well, he can than shoot what I, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, than what I thought he could, and probably better than what Killian is going to be able to. But yeah, I mean, I think there's some similarities in you know just kind of being able to stuff the stat sheet a little bit like that. You know, people were talking on Twitter about you know. Hayes dropping a triple-double next year. You know, he, he had a huge stat line against the Bulls. You know, I know the seven turnovers and all that. I get it. But, he had, he, you know, he rebounds the wall the ball well as we put shooters around him and he develops the pick-and-roll game with Stewart and other bigs. You know, those are going to come. He could have multiple 10-assist game. We know he can go get 10-plus points. And I think that he's going to have some games where he can get 10 rebounds. I still... The mellow ball is going to be a better player. But, yeah, like he could be, you know, a, a not quite as good version of LaMelo ball. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because, you know, uh, LaMelo Ball right now is, is shooting five threes a game. Something that I'm not sure I'm going to see yeah. Killian no. shoot, you know. He's shooting 36%, so he's doing a pretty good job with that. I think that's going to be a difference as far as points per game, um, you know, be, between Killian maybe getting 12, 13 and LaMelo getting that 16, 18 range, um, eventually even more. Uh, but overall, I do I do see a lot of similarities now that I looked at their stats, kind of compared it, and uh, it, it will be interesting. And uh, Bryce, maybe that's a good idea for for another breakdown, you know, later on, because um, you do a great job with those, and uh, you know, I think our fans loved it. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm ex- uh, it's been fun doing the piston stuff, but you know, I, I might branch out a little bit as we get into the playoffs and look at some other players and some comparisons and and some things like that. So and some, hopefully some potential draft picks. Absolutely. And uh, if you guys want to check those out, make sure you check out our Twitter, Motor City Hoops. Bryce will give you even game recaps and all that stuff online and live for most games. Uh, make sure you check out our Instagram. We're going to post videos almost daily. Um, and also make sure you check out our Facebook. Uh, we'll post some game recaps. Um uh, of course, probably next year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll post more of that uh, go forward there. So as far as um, our show goes here, we'll talk more um, all things Pistons, you know, in the three and three segment and uh, th- stuff from the NBA. So uh, make sure you check it out. And then we do have a special guest next week. Uh, stay tuned. Bryce will, will be your host and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. 
Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.